Hey, uh, glad to have you guys here this evening. If it's your first time, hi, I'm Tom. I'm the campus pastor. It's wonderful to have you here. For the people that have been here many a time, guess what? It's good to see you too. We love you. Uh, let's go ahead and jump into things tonight. I don't want to waste a lot of time. Last week, we started our little series called Mary Did You Know? And I think we need to stop because Morgan, formerly known as Spratt Malloy, did a stellar job kicking off our series last week, didn't she? <laughs> Kudos to you wherever you are, Morgan. Good job. Hey, uh, tonight we're going to continue with our series and we're going to be focusing on famous disciples of Jesus named Mary. Uh, before we get into that, though, I do want to introduce you guys to a couple of my siblings. Uh, can we put, throw the picture up there really quick? Thank you. These, well, I'm the guy on the left there, but the other two are my brothers. Uh, this is one in the middle that looks a little on the scared side there. Um, that's my brother Todd. He's the middle uh, son. He's, uh, what, nine years older than me, I think. And the guy on the right there is my brother Brad. He's actually 15 years older than me. And so there's a little bit of a gap there. Uh, these guys are my brothers. I love them a lot. As you can tell, we have some physical characteristics that are the same. So hopefully you would know that we're at least related. Uh, we were raised by the same parents. So... We have a few interests that are alike. Uh, we're all big fans of the University of Michigan. I know I love Mizzou, but I grew up in Michigan. And uh, each of the boys at our wedding actually have a, had a groomsman's cake with uh, the University of Michigan symbol on it and stuff. So we are united by our state. Uh, we all love Jesus, so that's a big plus too. Outside of that, we are about as different as you can get. Uh, especially the two guys on the right here, all right? Uh, my brother, Brad, uh, he tends to be, well, more of a doer person. He's a type A personality, uh, well-organized. He is a leader. He loves to be in front of people. He loves to uh, talk to literally Every time we go out, he's talking to random people. He loves to take risks. That's who he is. Todd's the opposite of him. He is definitely a type B personality. Uh, he would be pretty content uh, being by himself at home, watching ESPN in solitary confinement. Maybe with his uh, PS4, he does like that too. Uh, he is not naturally outgoing. You almost have to kind of cattle prod him to kind of get up in front of people and talk. And just honestly, he's the type that he analyzes the risk of every situation, and he will always choose the safest course in the world. You see this happen a lot with siblings. Oh, oh and me? You know, well... I'm kind of like the porridge and uh, Goldilocks. I'm just right, okay? <laughs> no, I'm type A, man. Okay, let's be honest. I, I like things done my way. I want them done well. 
and they're going to be well because it's how I would do it. It's reality. But you see this a lot in families that, guess what? Siblings have a little bit of conflict, correct? Correct? Abby? Abby? You have a brother that we know about, right? Yes. You guys are related. You guys look a little like my, my daughter before she could remember your name would call you girl Tyler. <laughs> you know? She did. She loved Tyler a lot. I mean, she still kind of does, let's face it. But um, y- would you say you, you love your brother, correct? Yeah. There's slight pause. Slight pause. But yes, we'll take that. Uh, you guys have some things in common. You're both uh, good musicians. I'm not going to say who's better. We'll leave that for another fight for you guys. That's cool. But despite those things, would you say you guys fight a little bit? <laughs> no pause on that one. All right. It, it happens. It happens. And let's face it. There's always going to be the conflict, whether you're a type A, type B personality. Uh, Younger versus older, that happens quite a bit. And that's what we're going to be looking at tonight when we look at the story of Mary and Martha found in Luke chapter 10. This is actually going to kind of take us on a three-week tour of Mary and Martha stories. Martha, she's the older sister. She's the type A, responsible one. She owns a home. She makes things happen. She's organized. She's the type of woman that she's got like a to-do list every single day of her life, and she's going to get everything done on that to-do list. She's going to make it happen. Mary, well, she's the younger sister. She's a little more laid back. She kind of rolls with the punches and whatever comes along her way. And she's not so concerned about when things get done, because she just believes that they're going to get done. And so, let's go ahead, and I'm going to read the verses tonight. Our story, like I said, is in Luke chapter 10, and it's a short little text, but uh, it's a powerful one. Uh, We'll start in verse 38. Now, as they went on their way, Jesus entered a village, and a woman named Martha welcomed him into her house. And she had a sister called Mary, who sat at the Lord's feet, and listened to his teaching. But Martha was distracted with much serving, and she went up to him and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Tell her then to help me. But the Lord answered her, Martha, Martha, you are so anxious and troubled about many things, but one thing is necessary. Mary has chosen the good portion which will not be taken away from her. As we get into this, you need to understand that this story is unique for a couple reasons. Uh, This isn't just a story about Jesus and his friends showing up at someone's house for a dinner. It goes way beyond that. Uh, Hang with me. In the early church, they didn't meet in big buildings that they only hung out in once a week, correct? Where did they spend time? In homes. They spent time hanging out with each other, eating with each other, praying with each other, having fun, studying God's Word, 
and the disciples would teach them more about the Lord. You see, what you are looking at in this story is Jesus modeling the prototype for his early church. This is where it all begins. It didn't start in Acts. Things don't magically appear out of in nowhere. Jesus set the pace. So this is more than just a dinner party and hang out with Jesus. Secondly, Jesus was really radical in his relationships with everyone. He would talk to anyone. He would hang out with anyone, the poor, the rich, sinners, the religious people. And his relationship was especially radical with women. A single Jesus was friends with single Mary and Martha. While that's pretty normal for you and me nowadays, that was not something that was commonplace uh, when Jesus was rolling around on the earth. And his relationship with women went even further than that. You need to understand that uh, Jesus invited women into his ministry at a time when that didn't happen. You see, to sit at someone's feet, a rabbi's feet, was an official position. Kind of like you guys would apply for college. We talked a little bit about this with discipleship. You would apply to a rabbi. He would interview you. He would determine whether or not he wanted to accept you on as a student. And once he did, you had the privilege and the honor at sit, of sitting at his feet when he was lecturing and instructing people. If you look in Acts, uh, Paul talks about how he sat at the feet of his teacher and how he was educated. Lots of people wanted to sit at Jesus' feet, but only a few were allowed to, and Mary was among them. And so we see Mary sitting at Jesus' feet. It means that he, she excuse me, was selected as one of his honored students to be a disciple and to receive formal training from none other than the Son of God himself. Just so we're clear, I don't think you can read the Bible and not see women involved in ministry and leadership. Throughout the Old Testament, throughout the New Testament, women are involved. Act, uh, end of Romans uh, Paul talks about you know, commending several people, 27 if I remember correctly. A third of them were with women because of the ministry they did. In Chi Alpha, we encourage that. If you look, the majority of my staff are women. We like women. All right. We let them do everything. We want to train them. We want them to lead the way. But you need to take yourself out of today's context and put it in Jesus con in that culture's context. Very traditional, very religious culture where, quite honestly, women were not regarded as equal to men. They were not present for instruction among men. They were not normally educated. And then all of a sudden, you walk into this house to hear Jesus teach. 
And there are both men and women sitting together, both getting trained and discipled for formal ministry. Jesus is revolutionary in so many ways. And that's why this story is so cool. Some of you tonight, you are Mary's. Some of you are Martha's. When you came in tonight, the greeter stopped you and asked you, are you a Mary or are you a Martha? If you're a Mary, you're more contemplative. You're more word-based. You tend to gravitate towards you know, contemplative disciplines like silence and solitude and prayer and fasting and journaling. For those of you that are more like Martha, you tend to be a little more active, a little more uh, on the work-based side of things. you got to be doing something. You tend to do the spiritual disciplines that are not so much contemplative but more active. The preaching, the teaching, the serving, the, you know, the administrating, leading the way in social justice stuff, getting things done. And so I'm just kind of interested as we go. How many of you here tonight are Marys? Raise your hand. Higher, higher. Be bold, Marys. Come on. Yes, you are a Mary. Okay, put your hand down. How many of you are Marthas? Okay. It's okay, Marys, Marthas. This is, none, neither one of these is a bad thing. Okay, let's make that clear from the beginning. There is not a wrong answer. I'm going to correct myself. There is a wrong answer. Being a Mary is not wrong. Being a Martha is not wrong. Being neither is wrong. Let me make something clear to you. If you are not more contemplative personality and spending time at the throne of God, and you are not the type of person that does anything for God, you are what we would call lukewarm. God doesn't dig that. Period. So it's cool to be a Mary, it's cool to be a Martha, it's not cool to be nothing. As we talk about this, I want you to understand that God has created each of you unique. He's given each of you a unique personality type to complete a unique purpose that he has placed you on this earth to do. This isn't a battle between good and evil, okay? It's two parts of a whole. Mary understood an essential part of every Christian's walk. That they need to be near and hear Jesus. If you look in verse 39, it says that she had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet and listened to his teachings. You see, being a Christian begins by being near to Jesus. And he's given us so many different ways to be near him. Guess what? He has given you Chi Alpha to be near him. He gives you services. He gives you life groups. He gives you mentors. The Lord has given us his word to be near to him. 
He's given us the privilege of entering into His presence through prayer to be near to Him. He's also given us the gift of the Holy Spirit so that we can be in His presence every single day, even in this world. But if we aren't making time to be near to Jesus, we will never hear Jesus. You see, being near to Him isn't enough. We actually have to hear what He's saying. Hearing the words of the Lord has always been a focal point of the Bible. If you go to the Old Testament, the great command that Jesus points out is the greatest commandment in the Bible starts like this. Listen, hear, O Israel, your, the Lord is our God, the Lord alone. And you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your strength. Jesus goes on to talk about in the New Testament, those who have ears to hear, listen. Martha, she may have been close to Jesus physically, but she wasn't hearing what Jesus was saying. Verse 40 tells us that she was distracted by her service. Quick thing, is serving the Lord a bad thing? Say it louder. No. Okay? Absolutely, positively not. Once again, throughout the Bible, we are told to serve the Lord. One of my favorite verses is found in Joshua 24, 15. Joshua tells the people, hey, choose today whom you will serve. But as for me and my family, we will serve the Lord. And if you drop down a couple verses, uh, Joshua actually tells the people the first thing that they have to do if they want to serve the Lord. Destroy your idols and turn your hearts to the Lord. You have to destroy your idols to hear the Lord even if your idol is your service. Jesus goes on to tell us, that to be his disciples, we are required to serve. Whoever wants to be a leader among you must be a servant. I can, I have to imagine that Martha, she heard some words in passing. She was working, she was doing stuff. Jesus, I, mean, I bet he could project pretty good. He's probably pretty loud. The house wasn't huge. But she wasn't fully listening to him because she was doing other stuff. And I believe that there are a lot of Christians that we come near to Jesus, but we don't hear Jesus because we are distracted in our lives like Martha. And students, I warn you, distractions at the very least leads to immaturity as a Christian, and at the very worst leads to death. Jesus tells the story about a couple chapters before, actually, in Luke, about a farmer who is sowing seed some of those seeds you know the birds take away there are some seeds that produce a huge harvest many times over but there's this one seed that it grew until the weeds and the thorns choked the plant out 
And it was never able to grow into maturity, meaning it never produced fruit. The weeds are the distractions of this world. The cares, the pleasures, anything that gets in the way of growing closer to the Lord. You see, we can't hear the Master's wisdom and His guidance when we're distracted. Mary and Martha, they're a whole person here. We need to be Mary first, spend time with Jesus, and Martha second, getting the stuff done. Without one, there's not balance. And honestly, I'll be honest with you, uh, I feel that Martha gets a little bit of a bum rap at times. Uh, she's not a bad person. When I read the story, it seems like she really loves Jesus. She invites him and his whole crew over to her house. He's, she's going to make some food for him. She's concerned for Jesus. She's concerned about his welfare. She wants to serve him good. She is a good person, maybe with some character flaws like all of us, but Jesus is working on her. The problem with a Martha spirit is that we can become resentful. We can become judgmental, self-righteous of other people. I'm the only one doing something. Look at them just sit over there just hanging out. If I don't do this thing, it won't happen. And that's where we find Martha in this story. Martha is looking down on her sister. And she does what often happens when siblings fight. She runs and tells daddy. And I'm probably a little bit more protective of Martha because I'm a Martha. I like to keep busy. I like to work for Jesus. Sometimes it's easier to work for Jesus than to sit with Jesus. I feel more accomplished. I feel better about myself. I feel more value, more self-worth when I'm working for the Lord. And while serving the Lord isn't a bad thing in any way, when so much of our lives are wrapped up in what we do for the Lord, it begins to define us instead of Jesus defining us. Students, there will always, always be a problem in your walk with Christ when your identity comes from the work that you do instead of the time you spend with Jesus. And you see, when we do this, it leads to a major problem in our own lives. It leads to a lot of frustration. It leads to a lot of worry. A lot of anxiety. It can even lead to depression. Because when you're defined by your actions, you can never do enough. You can never accomplish enough in a day to feel worthy of God's love. And at some point, when you feel unworthy and unloved, you're going to give up. You see, this is the balance between a Mary and a Martha that we need in our lives. We need to work. 
But more importantly, we need to spend time with Jesus first. Feeling overwhelmed and worn out will cause you to not see the truth. It will cause you to buy into lies. And it will cause you to make some major mistakes in your life. And that's what we see in verse 40 with Martha. She's mad. She is angry at her sister. She is overwhelmed by the pressures of her life. And she goes running up to Jesus, you know, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Tell her then to help me. I guarantee you, if Martha would have been thinking clearly, she would have never said those words to Jesus. Don't you care about me? Well, Martha, I did come down from heaven, took on the body of a man. I'm heading to Jerusalem to die a horrible death for you and for all mankind so that you can be reconciled to my father. Yes, I do care. Thank you for the soup. It's absurd when you think about it, but it wasn't absurd to Martha at this moment. And how often do we struggle and do we say the same thing to Jesus? Don't you care about me, Jesus? Don't you care that I'm struggling and I'm going through stuff right now? Don't you care about my burdens? Don't you care about what I'm going through? Tell him to stop. Tell someone to help me. Do something, Jesus. And when we do that, there's nothing wrong with taking our prayers and our cries to the Lord, but there's a difference between praying and asking for Jesus' help and trying to boss around the Creator of the universe. When we boss around God, it shows that there's something else going on. You see, there are reasons for everything that we do in this life. Something deep down inside of us that influences our thoughts, our behaviors, and we like to call that a root issue. You see, being frustrated and stressed out and worn, uh, worried all stems from a very specific root issue. And at first glance, it seems like it's an easy thing to diagnose what Martha's problem was. It's Jesus. It's Jesus and his disciples. Just so you know, we talk about the 12 disciples. Jesus had a lot more disciples than 12. So there's a good chance that Jesus comes rolling up to this woman's house saying, hey, can we hang out with you? And she, all of a sudden, at the last moment, she has to produce a meal to feed a ton of people. My wife would not appreciate that. If I, if I want to have someone over, I call her ahead of time. And even then, I let her know plenty ahead of time so that she can do stuff. She likes to clean, right, baby? Yes. She does not like it. I mean, we have staff meetings at my house every Monday. She has to clean before the staff come over. They don't care. She cares, though. She wants it to be nice. Martha wants it to be nice for Jesus. 
She wants to be a good host. She wants to make sure that everything is okay. And that can be a lot of pressure. It can make you a little stressed, a little tense, maybe even cause you to overreact a little bit. And while this is true, I tend to have a feeling, I I believe that Martha probably acted this way a lot. I mean, this event in particular probably shoved her over the deep end and stuff, but I got a feeling she gets worked up quite quickly. And she probably gets annoyed at her little sister quite often. And what Martha did by bringing in an honored guest, you don't involve someone from the outside in family business, especially in this culture. You don't bring in the honored guest into a family dispute and try to get them to settle things. Martha wants Jesus to use his authority to shame her sister. Martha wants Mary to be like her. Here's the thing about discipleship, folks. Discipleship is about making you more like Jesus, not making you more like me. Martha misunderstood that. And it's a tough thing to balance, but she let things get the better of her. Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone. What's Martha's root issue here? She just told us. Three words in that sentence. Left me alone. Martha's root issue is that she feels alone. She reacts this way because she feels like it's all on her. And she reacts this way because she believes that the Lord doesn't care that she's alone. Uh, A few years ago, it's been a while now, so I can say it and not get in trouble. I asked my wife's permission first. Always smart. Um, We had final banquet. And I had talked to my wife earlier in the week. And, you know, we always make all the desserts for afterwards, come back to the house and chill and hang out. I talked to my wife earlier in the week and said, honey, I need you to organize the staff and give everyone, you know, a project to do, you know, have them make cakes, cookies, because we have like 100 people come to this thing. We want to make sure that we have enough. And Missy went, okay. I love my wife, but I do check up on her too. And so all week long, I asked the staff, hey, has my wife talked to you about making a cake or anything? Nope. No, she hasn't. Okay. Okay. And so I'd ask Missy, you know, hey, have you arranged that? Have you set up? No, no, I'm going to do it. Don't worry. It's going to get done. Okay. The night before final banquet, we had the staff over to our house. Mike was here. James was still on staff. We were sitting in my living room, quite honestly, till about 2.30 in the morning playing Call of Duty. At that point, I put down my controller and said, boys, pray for me. I'm going to go have an argument with my wife. (laughs) There's just sometimes 
you know things are going to happen. Welcome to life. It's marriage. I knew there was going to be an argument because Missy had never assigned out to any of the staff to make anything for final banquet that was happening the next day. And for some reason, she got it into her mind that she had to do it all. And she hadn't even started. And so I went back there, and I actually woke my wife up, which that's a bad thing to start with. But I'm like, honey, we have an issue. I asked you to do this, and you've taken on the burden yourself, and now it's not happening. It was a good, what, hour-long argument? Yep, she's not her head. Until finally Missy accepted the fact that she can't do it all on her own. And it was never her burden to do on her own. Amazingly enough, it's never happened again. She learned. That's pretty cool. We have desserts at stuff. Yay. <laughs> Students, we feel alone because we take on a burden Jesus never asked us to take on. Martha felt a weight and a responsibility to take care of Jesus and his disciples in her own power and in her own ability. She was so worried about feeding the disciples and making Jesus comfortable that she forgot that she had the greatest provider of all time sitting in her living room. Guys, she didn't need to worry about providing a meal for Jesus. If Jesus can take a little boy's Lunchable and turn it into a feast for thousands, she doesn't have to worry. We should do everything as unto the Lord, but it's not like he needs us to do it. He's God. And I'm going to say something that this is both hard for a Martha personality personality type to hear but it's also one of the most refreshing things that you need to understand Martha's stop overestimating your importance and never underestimate his the burden is Jesus stop trying to pick it up Jesus said, come to me, all of you who are weary and carry heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. Let me teach you because I am humble and gentle at heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy to bear, and the burden I give you is light. You see, Jesus sees Martha's frustrations. He sees her loneliness. And Jesus corrects her. Make no doubt here. But it wasn't a hard, angry response like she had had with him. Just a reminder, Jesus doesn't behave like us, okay? We were created in his image, not the other way around. And I think too often to personalize Jesus, we imagine what we would do and we slap a Jesus mask on it. It's probably better to think of the opposite of what we would do and that's closer to what Jesus would do. Jesus sees her pain. 
He feels her pain. Because this, this is her friend, his friend. He corrects her with gentleness that comes from a loving heart. Martha, Martha, you are so anxious and troubled about many things, but one thing is necessary. Mary has chosen the good portion, which will not be taken away from her. Jesus wasn't saying that he didn't appreciate what Martha was doing. I believe that Jesus appreciated Martha's hospitality. He knew that she was trying to make him feel welcome in her home. He wanted her to know, though, that there was a better way to do that. Sometimes our busyness will distract us from the more important business of spending time with our Savior. Sometimes our busyness will distract us from the more important business of spending time with our Savior. A couple weeks ago, we looked at John chapter 21 when the disciples were fishing all night. They were working hard. They were frustrated because they caught nothing. Eventually, they listened to Jesus and caught so many fish, their boat almost sunk. At the end of that story, Jesus calls them to come sit with him, to have breakfast with him. Every one of us needs time to sit and listen to Jesus, to receive encouragement, to receive guidance, to receive comfort and love, and for, to have Jesus reprioritize our lives. While Jesus corrected Martha, this was more of an invitation to her to come sit at his feet. You see, the greatest gift that we can give God is our presence. Think about it. Why did Jesus leave heaven and come to earth and die for us? So that we could eternally be in his presence. I said it a couple weeks ago. He is called Emmanuel, God with us. He sent us the Holy Spirit so he could be with us continually. There's nothing Nothing more important that we can give to Jesus than our presence. Uh, can you put a picture up for me, Ange? This is a lovely picture of my daughter and I making cake pops together on Sunday. I'll be honest with you, I was busy. I don't like to be bothered when I'm working on message stuff. I know it seems like I know what I'm doing up here. It takes me a long time to get there. And as I was working on my message, you know, Taylor came up to me. He's like, hey, Daddy, play with me. I'm like, Taylor, I'm busy right now. I don't have time. She's like, okay, Daddy. And the Lord just kind of convicted me that you need to stop. and spend some time with your daughter. You see, the older I get, the more I realize that the greatest gift I can give to Taylor isn't another doll or another Barbie. It's my undistracted time with her. 
She needs her daddy not to be on the phone all the time or even doing something good like working on a message. You see, for her to grow into the God-loving woman I know she was created to be means that I need to spend time with her and represent the Heavenly Father. And you know what the greatest gift she can give me is? Cuddling with me. She came up to me last night when I'm working on my message. She's like, Daddy, I have to go to bed soon. Cuddle with me in, the, in your recliner. Okay. I got time for that. Just being with me. And she can't hear me. We've got headphones on her here. Don't misunderstand the next thing that comes out of my mouth here. It's not that I don't appreciate all the cards, all the drawings, all the crafts that she makes me. So even before we came tonight, she made me a, a lovely rainbow. Adorable. She can actually kind of stay in lines now. That's pretty impressive. During worship, she came up to me and, I don't know what this thing is, but she's like, Daddy, this is for you. I'm like, thanks, Taylor. I appreciate that. I know she does it because she loves me. And she, in her own five-year-old kind of way, is trying to show me that she loves me. But in all honesty, I don't need a thousand My Little Pony drawings or cut out little hearts. You can only keep so much stuff as a parent. But the greatest present that she can give me is her presence. As I was sitting with Taylor last night, God just kind of dropped in my heart that, Tom, you're a lot like Taylor. You are forever giving me metaphorical drawings and hearts with the work you do. And while Jesus appreciates this little simple work that we think is so important, what would actually make him happy is spending time at his feet. Experiencing the love and the wisdom that only he can give us. You know what happens when I hang out with my daughter? She's a better kid. She's more behaved. We hung out and she actually went to bed without throwing a fit. It was wonderful. When we spend time with Jesus, we will be happier. We will be more joyful. And the service that we do for God will be the kind of work that he wants because it comes out of an abundance of love and wisdom and not out of frustration and anxiety and obligation. When I was working on this message, Lord gave me a few pretty clear things. We have retreat coming. He wants to meet you there. He wants you to be at his feet. And he wants you to put away the distractions. Put away the phones, put away the books. He wants you to dwell with him. Uh, one of my friends who 
wrote a book, and she's more on the hippie Mary side of things. She's got a lot of wisdom, though, even though it's hard for me to hear. But she said, you know, tomorrow's fruit is today's watering. You want to produce fruit for the Lord tomorrow? You've got to spend time in His presence and let Him just fill you up. Mary, or excuse me, Martha, she wanted to give Jesus the good portion. Food. But she forgot that Jesus is the portion in our lives. And that He is the bread of life. Through Him flows living water. And I'm just going to be honest with you here. I love some of you, but stop using honoring God with your studies as an excuse not to spend time with Him. Sorry. Truth. God wants you to succeed. Cool. He wants you to spend time in His presence more. We're going to take a few minutes for response time here. We're going to do the anti version of what Morgan did last week. We're going to take time in silence in God's presence. You can feel free to spread out here in a moment. I don't want you praying with each other. And I know that sounds weird. I will probably never say that again this year. I don't, though. Because there are times that things get in the way of us hearing the Lord. I love some of you guys, but prayer turns into more of a counseling session and you don't give God the time to counsel. Tonight, I just want you to be in His presence. I'm not even going to have them play music for a while going to be a little weird being silent won't it that's okay because that's when we hear God's voice best but as you enter into a time with him keep your prayer simple just ask the Lord what needs to happen in my life so that I can be both a Mary and a Martha that I can be the person that you want me to be if he gives you something specific, folks, write it down for the love. He doesn't tell us stuff so that we can forget five minutes after we walk out of here. But I just want us to spend a few minutes in silence and with him. If you need to spread out. Sometimes I love our friends, but guess what? They can be a distraction too. If you need to get away, you got room. You can still come down front and pray. What? I just want you to chill with the Lord. After a few minutes of silence, who's on guitar? Tyler, come up. Can we sing that last song together? Uh, last song that we sang during worship together to close out service. If you need to go to retreat and spend time with Him, go. No more excuses. Guess what? You'll have fun too. Crazy. But let me pray, and then just let's hang with the Lord. Jesus, 
Help us to know our values in you. Not in what we do for you. Not in the stuff that we try to give to you. Our drawings. Our work. Lord, help us to know where our true worth and value comes from. And that's in your presence. That comes from the love of a father. And what you value most is us just being with you. The greatest gift we can give you is just to be in your presence. And Lord, help us just to soak up that time with you, Lord. That we will be better people. That we will experience your wisdom. That we will experience your love and your guidance. And that when we do, a new fruitfulness from our lives will come out because we have spent time in your presence. Holy Spirit, speak tonight. Individual hearts, tell them, Lord, what they need to do to be both Mary and Martha in this world and to be who you've created them to be.